Amen. Good morning, fellowship. How are y'all? Happy not snow day. Uh, and I hear there's like a game today or something. All right, how many of you are Bengals fans? Okay, all right, how many of you are Rams fans? Wow. Wow, how many of you are commercial and food fans? Yes, y'all are my people, right? Okay, so Bengals fans, um, are you Bengals fans because you've always been Bengals fans? Bang, not bagel, bang, Bengal fans. Yes. Yes? Give me a, always? Oh, just for today. Um, uh, okay, so real quick, how do we pick the team that we're rooting for then? Is it, is it proximity? Do you have a connection to Cincinnati? Yes? Okay, a few. Is it uh, cuteness of the quarterback? Oh, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. All right. Well, we'll just leave that there. All right. So, uh, my name is Fred. I get to be the lead pastor here, and I am so glad uh, to have y'all uh, here today worshiping together. Uh, it's, it's really great fun. Here's what I pray happens. As Matt talked about in announcements with the, the, the family interactive piece, we're going to talk about hope today. And what I hope happens what I've been praying for to happen is that we leave here today with a deeper well of hope to draw from. In particular, that we have more hope in who Jesus is, what he's done for us, and what he has said to us. And, and, and I pray that that makes a difference, right? I pray it makes a difference uh, not just tonight, but that it makes a difference uh, on Monday when work starts up again. It makes a difference, uh, Lord willing, for, for the rest of your life. You have this deeper well of hope uh, to draw from. And so what I'm going to do, though, to start talking off, to start talking about hope is go someplace you might not expect. We're going to talk about gambling. Right? And, and, and here's why uh, I want to talk about gambling. Now, now don't, you don't have to raise your hands for this one. This isn't an audience response thing. Uh, but uh, have you ever gambled on something, right? Like, like have you ever uh, put money down on something, risking uh, what you have for a chance to get more? Now, I know some of you have been in the church crowd a lot. You're like, no, 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 I don't gamble. Think about investments, right? It, the same principle I'm going to talk about applies to those two. I'm not saying they're the same thing. Right? I'm saying the same principle I'm about to talk to uh, uh, applies. Because right? here's what we do when we gamble. Here's what we do when we invest. Like we weigh the options. Right? We evaluate the risk and we take a chance. Both of those are the same thing. And that's a really scary process if you've done that. Right? But there are two words which can help make this process a whole lot easier. And maybe you've heard these words before and it's this. Sure thing. Anybody ever heard those words when gambling, when investing maybe? Now, now this phrase, when you, it's said about something, uh, that it's your thing. Like it's up front, like they're saying this is a guarantee win. Now, I'll be honest, I don't recall ever betting on a sure thing before, but early in my investing life, somebody told me that there were these certain stocks that were pennies. And if I put money down on them, in no time at all, they would be worth hundreds, maybe even thousands of dollars, right? And so I thought, man, this stuff is going to explode. I better get in now because they said, guess what? It's a sure thing. It's a sure thing. Now, maybe some of you have been thinking like along those lines of like cryptocurrency and NFTs and virtual real estate now. It's fun, isn't it? Sure thing, right? 
Well, mine didn't exactly pan out. Those penny stocks are still penny stocks. Lots of years later. And, you know, it's really kind of hard to sell penny stocks, by the way. But, but, but they're still the same thing. And, and remember Beanie Babies back in the day? Ooh, those were a sure thing, weren't they? No, they weren't, right? Like students, maybe, okay, so gambling, investing, like this could be a different world to you. But how, has this ever happened to you? You're in class and you're talking about an upcoming test. And the teacher says, oh, it's going to be easy. Y'all will do fine right? And so you go home that night, and instead of investing your time, right, because that's kind of what you have to invest is time, instead of investing your time studying, you invest it into something else because the teacher said it's going to be easy, and you show up to class, they hand out the test, you open it up, and what happens? It's not easy, right? Like, here's the principle in gambling, here's the principle in investing, here's the principle sometimes when, when teachers talk about tests being easy, it's this. Humanly speaking, there's no such thing as a sure thing, right? Humanly speaking, there's no such thing as a sure thing. And, and here's the deal. Once we experience this life principle, that there's no such thing as a sure thing, something happens in us, Right? There is, there is a crack in our soul. There is a, a switch that has been flipped. And when we discover that, that it just takes one test, one investment, one bet, right, to, to be told it's a sure thing and it's not a sure thing, when that one thing happens, any time we hear that word, those two words, sure thing, what do we do in our thoughts? We go, mm-hmm, sure it is, Right? Right? Anytime we hear it, we begin to question, I bet it's not a sure thing. Why? Because there's no such thing as a sure thing. And y'all, hear me on this. And this is why I talk about this before talking about hope. Because our hope suffers from that same thing. Right? Because here's what we read in Scripture. We, hear, we read and we hear that God is always faithful. He is always true. He is consistent. He will never change. That he is there for you always. And there's something in our soul because we've experienced a sure thing not being a sure thing where we go, mm-hmm, yeah. Right? And that's where our hope suffers. That's where our hope fades. Because there's a part of us when we hear those promises of God, when we hear the character of God, we just go, mm-hmm. But what if today, what if today we put our past experiences behind us for just like 30 minutes, right? Let's hit pause on the uh-huhs, right? Let's hit pause on that, and let's see what today's psalm can teach us about hope. Let's see what we can learn about hope in the midst of our mm-hmms, Right? in the midst of our, our doubt. Go ahead and, and turn with me to Psalm 126 if you have a Bible. Um, if you don't have a Bible, you're welcome to, to grab some. They're out there in the foyer. You can grab one on your way out. You can go get one right now. Or you can also just open up your phone and go to the Bible app uh, and open it up there. And if you are there, you can click under Events and you see Fellowship Asheville. And so the exact passages for today will come up. 
But to understand, as you're turning there, what, what Psalm 126 is, what I want to do is give you a little bit of history surrounding this psalm. Now, psalm means song, right? And so this was a song that would be sung. And, and the history of this song in particular uh, is, is it was set during a season. Uh, and when I say season, I mean 70 years where the nation of Israel wasn't in the nation of Israel anymore. They had been exiled to, to a place called Babylon, and there they were slaves and they were captives, and they were oppressed while they were there. But, but, but if you look at that part of Israel's history, what you'll see is that God allowed this season to happen, not because God was mad at them, but because God loved them, right? And, and what God wanted for his people was to whet their appetite for him again, because their uh-huhs had gotten, had gotten way too loud. That any time there is an opportunity to hope in God, they place their hope in something else, in idols, in, in their own work, and in, in, in stuff that they created. That's what, that's what they did. And so, so, so they entered into this time of suffering. And what you see when you read that is you see God meet them in their suffering time and time and time again. That our God isn't a God that just sent them off and said, when you get your life right, come on back. He sent them off and he met them time and time again in the midst of their oppression, in the midst of their captivity, in the midst of their suffering. And so so just as a side note, if you are suffering these days, God is with you. God meets you in that suffering. But then in the nation of Israel, their time in Babylon, the 70 years were up and they were allowed to come back to their home. And, and what they did is, if you read the historical books of the Old Testament, is they came in waves, right? They came in, 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 in waves. Everybody didn't just show up at once. And, and when they came, like this song captures the feeling of what it was like to be in Jerusalem and see people coming back home. To see, to see uh, what, what it, it felt like. That's why I love the Psalms. There's a lot of emotional language in these, in these words. And, and this writer, this song captures what it feels like to see people coming from captivity to coming home. Coming from the place they live to the place they call home. It's a psalm of ascent. And that's also why we're calling this series, uh, what we're calling it, that there is a place for anyone because all these chairs up here represent people that we're praying for on their journey from the place they live to the place they call home, a deep and abiding relationship with God. These chairs represent us too, right? And this psalm is written to encourage us to hope. To encourage us to hope when we go from the place that we live to the place that we call home. And and so let me ask you this. Do you need more hope today? Or do you think you'll need more hope tomorrow than you have today? Because honestly, sometimes here in this room, it's easy. Right? But sometimes sitting in your office, it's hard. And if you need more hope, let's, let's get some. All right? Let's look at here and, and let's get some. Look at verse 1. Psalm 126 verse 1 says this. And when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. So remember, this is a psalm written about what it was like to, to see the nation of Israel coming back home. And so, so, so that's what this, this song captures. They, from the place they were living in Babylon back to the nation of Israel. And, and they say that this response, to see this, it's like a dream. Right? It means that it's too good to be true. Anybody ever have a really good dream and you wake up and you're like, oh. 
right? Like you dream it's Friday and you wake up to Monday, right? Like, 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 like that's a really good dream. Well, well, this person is saying it's a really good dream that came true. I, I dreamt it was Friday and guess what? It is Friday, right? Like, like they're coming home. They're, they're coming back. Now, here's the deal. It's a great feeling, but God said that this nation would return. Right? Nothing that happened in, in this season of Israel's history wasn't talked about by the prophets. And, and the prophets were these people in, in, in Jerusalem and, and even traveled with them to Babylon that would speak the words of God to the people to encourage them and convict them. And Jeremiah was a prophet, right? And one of the things that, that, that God led him to say is as the nation was being led away to Babylon, God spoke to Jeremiah these words. He said, this whole country will become a desolate wasteland and these nations will serve the king of Babylon for 70 years. And so, so Jeremiah told them, listen, as you leave, just know you're going to be there for 70 years. And, and, and in doing this, God said, trust me, because when you know there's a finish line, you know there's a finish line. Right? And God said, you're leaving now, but you're coming back in 70 years. And in the midst of their, of their hearing this, in the midst of God saying, trust me, there was still kind of this mm-hmm attitude. Because, I mean, listen, let's be honest, captivity is hard, right? Hard times are called hard because guess what? They're hard. <laughs> right? And it was hard for the nation of Israel in Babylon. But they got to see God be faithful to his promise. And after 70 years, they are coming home. Look at verse 2. Verse 2 says this. And then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. And so just the image of seeing people come back, their response was, was, was this wasn't a dream. It was real. And, and, and their, their, their lungs are filled with laughter. And there's gladness in their heart because they are coming back together. And we see this this hopelessness turn into joy. But this wasn't the only response. Look at what else happened. It says, And then they said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. And so as they're traveling from Babylon back to Jerusalem, not only are they saying the Lord is doing this, but the nations that watch them saying God is really doing this. God is being faithful to his promise. He told them that they would be there 70 years and return home, and now they're returning home. And so the people that don't even know God and don't even know God's name can see God be faithful to their promises, to his promises. And so others noticed. Now, for you uh, English folks out there, what is the verb tense in these verses? Past, present, or future? Past. Right? So this writer is looking back on history and saying, y'all, God has been faithful. God has been faithful. And I think, I think this songwriter is telling us something about hope in this too, is that hope has a history. Right? Oftentimes when we say hope, I even did it in the beginning, sometimes we use hope like wish. Right? I hope this for you. I wish this for you. But what we're seeing here, too, is is hope is anchored in the past. It's anchored in history. Because you see, when you find yourself going, "Mm mm-hmm, to to God's promises and to God's faithfulness, you can look and and see that God actually has a very, very long history of being faithful. God has a very long history of being true. 
right? He really is always the same. He really has been the best bet, the best investment. When Stacy and I uh, were early on married in, in seminary, Seth, uh, our 21-year-old, was just a baby at the time. I was in seminary. I was working for a church, but I had raised money uh, for, I had raised support for my paycheck. And so, so the way that this organization did their support, they just kind of cleared out your account every month and sent it to you as a paycheck. So whatever you got in, that's what your pay was that month. And so there was one December where for the entire month, my paycheck was $500, like to pay bills, to pay, you know, all the things, everything that December is, Christmas and all that stuff, $500. Now, I'm old, but I'm not that old. Like, that was not enough money, Right? And I remember that month being very scary. But Stacey and I had also done something else during that season that helped. Because we had been on support and, and had lived off of people's donations for a while, we started a, a God's Provision Journal. And so we had this little journal, and every time we had a need, we would write that need. Well, every time we had a need that we couldn't pay for or didn't know how it was going to be paid for, pay, paid for, yeah, we would write that and date it in that journal. And then, every time that God provided for us, we would make note of that and make note of how God provided. And so when that December month hit, and we had a paycheck of $500, I had a history of hope. We had a history of hope. And we could see that God had provided. He'd provided for us before, and we can trust that he will provide for us again. And so, so, so history has a hope. You see, but here's where hope's history lives. You see, history has a hope based on God's faithfulness. Like, here's the deal with that journal. God was faithful whether I saw it or not. That journal just allowed us to see it. And that's where hope lives. Hope, hope thrives in God's faithfulness throughout history. Now, listen, I'm going to tell you, there are times that I still need that reminder, right? Like, like, please don't hear me and say that's been fixed because it's not. Like, you're going to get a financial update this week. If you give to Fellowship Asheville or you are a member, you're going to get a financial update in January. was the first month, and I don't even know how many months, where we spent more money than we took in by like $2,000, $3,000, something like that. I can't remember. A very small amount. I freaked out. Now, if you remember the financial update before this one, we had like a surplus in the first two quarters of like, what was it? Like $100,000. And we're trying to, you know, we're, we're spending 80 of it, 20 of it's going to a reserve. We've got 60,000 that we're spending for the community and for the church. And, and we're doing all that. Like, like all of that's still true in, Jan in, in, you know, in the financial update I wrote for the end of December. And yet, at the end of January, I freaked out because it was like $3,000 that we were in the red. And I needed to be reminded, Fred, God is faithful, right? And our bookkeeper, when she gave me the numbers, she saw the look on my face and she was like, don't worry, we're all right, <laughs> right? And here's what's great about our bookkeeper, like she's been with us from the very beginning. She was the one that has written the checks when there wasn't enough money in the bank account to pay for those checks in the church, but we trusted that God would provide, and he did. 
And she has seen that provision. And so when she looks at me and says, don't worry, I can hear it because she's been there. Why? Because God has been faithful. Let's look at verse 3. Verse 3, the rest of verse 3 says this. You know, verse 3 says, And the Lord has done great things for us. And then the present switches from past tense to present tense. It says, And we are glad. Like when we look back at what God has done in past tense and present tense, there is joy. That hope produces joy. That's what it does when you look back on God's faithfulness. And, and, and there's hope that, that there's joy in today. Now, here's what I, I toyed with making this sermon about joy, right? Because this glad and laughter is a theme that runs through this song. But here's the problem with joy. At least what I found, maybe for you it's different, but when you pursue joy, you really can't find it. That joy is always a byproduct of something else, right? That if you want joy, try being thankful, right? If you want joy, Introduce gratitude in your life. And what this song is telling us here is if you want more joy, then, then look for this hope that's anchored in, in God's faithfulness. Right? It's hard to live in complaints. It's hard to live in worries. It's hard to live fretting when you're looking at God's faithfulness to you and there is hope. You see, when we see God's faithfulness throughout history, when we see His continued faithfulness, not only the nation of Israel, but to you and me. Here's what happens. And y'all, this is so cheesy. And I wrote it, and I've, but here's what, here's, what, here's, here's what happens. That our mm-hmms turn into, turn into amens, right? That's what happens. When we look at God's faithfulness to Israel, when we look at God's faithfulness in our life, we get a deeper well of hope to draw from. Because you see, what God has done in history, he is still doing. What God has done, he does. And as people who follow Jesus and as people who worship God, we need to remember what God has done, he still does. See, this is where hope lives. This is, this is who God is. Now, our hope just isn't in past and it isn't just in the present. Guess where else we're going to go in this song? Time machine, we're going to go to the future, right? Like, like this, this song now looks to the future. Verse 4 says this, Restore our fortunes like the streams of the Negev, right? The streams of the Negev were a, a, a river and a stream that would get really dry during the dry season. When the rainy season started, it was like a flood that would come through and clear out all the debris and clear out all the junk. And, and this prayer is saying, looking to the future and saying, Lord, do that for us. Restore our fortunes. And this hope, this prayer, it's a, it's a prayer anchored in the hope of the past of God's faithfulness and it's a hope in the present and, and, and hope that is projected to the future and they're praying for God to return to them everything that they lost in captivity like they've been gone for 70 years and if you're with us when we did Ezra and, and Nehemiah you, you, you kind of know what it's like to come back and rebuild if you've I don't know if you've been alive the past two years you know what it's like to come back and rebuild right like we get that we get that feeling restored to us the fortunes, because that captivity took their freedom, right? And this prayer is, Lord, rewind the clock back. Return to us the things that we've lost. 
And see, here's, here's what this is anchored in. Because remember, God loved them during their time of captivity. God met them during their time of activity. And they want things returned back to the way they were when they trusted him. Right? Not back to the way they were for the reasons that they had to leave in the first place. But back to the season when they trusted him. And they're saying, restore our fortunes. Why? Because they're poor. Right? Because they're, they're, they're in need. Restore our fortunes. Why? Because we are ready to trust you. Our hope well is, is deep. You see, hope not only has a past that's anchored in God's faithfulness, hope also has a future. And there's something that we can even see about this song and something that we can see about hope that they understood that may be a little bit lost on us because even this prayer is anchored in hope. This prayer is anchored in the hope of not only God being who he said he was, but being who he said he was going to be, doing what he said he was going to do. And, and, and like this was according to the words of the prophets that spoke to them. Because not only did the prophets say you were going to be gone for 70 years, there's another prophet named Joel. And Joel said this, and in speaking the words of God to the people, he said, I will restore to you the years that the swarming locusts have eaten. In other words, he's speaking figuratively in saying that God says he will restore you. Another prophet named Amos said this, In the day that I restore David's fallen tent, I will repair its broken places, restore its ruins, and build it as it used to be. And so these people, when they, when they travel from the place they live to the place they call home and they return, they had these promises of God that are, that are echoing in their souls that not only did God say our time of captivity is up, but that he is going to restore what was lost. And so their prayer isn't just a wish. Their prayer is saying, God, you said this, and we trust you to give it. We trust you to give it. And see, what places, let me ask you this, what places in the scriptures do you go to for hope for your future? What, what anchors do you have of where God said this and you are saying, I trust you to, to do this? Right? Now here's why I, I ask you this now, because here's how I want to end this message in just a couple of minutes. Is I want us to take a few minutes, and I want us to, because we are a community of believers, right? And if you're not a follower of Jesus, and you're here today, I am so glad you're here, and I pray that this time is good for your soul. But many of us in this room have those scriptures that we anchor hope in. Those scriptures that we say, God, you said this. And I need this, and I am trusting you to provide it. And so at the end, we're going to take a few minutes, and I want to hear those scriptures so that the way God has, has given you scriptures can encourage all of us. So instead of just me up here talking, uh, I'm gonna, we're going to go old school and raise hands, and I'm going to have you raise up, you know, and I'm going to call, and what's your, what's your passage? And I want to hear it, and I want us to hear it so that we can leave this place with a deeper well of hope, all right? So, so, so kind of get that in your head. Introverts, you're off the hook. You don't have to stand up. All right, but here's what I know. Introverts, you got good stuff, right? And if you can work up the nerve, we want to hear it, right? Well, look at verse 5 and 6, and let's see what happens next. It says, those who sow in tears. What I love about this is it shows us how to live between here and then, like how to live between the present and the future. And it says this, it says, he who sows in tears shall reap with shouts of joy, and he who goes out weeping 
Bearing the seed for sowing shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. Right? That in this place between the future and the present, there is sowing. There is, there is work. Bono, uh, the lead singer of U2, any U2 fans out there? Uh, true fact about U2, um, uh, like in high school, they were my band, right? Had the poster on the wall and everything. A friend of mine recently posted a picture of when they did their last tour, and it was this packed stadium, and he posted a picture of the parking lot full of minivans, right? So... <laughs> So their audience has grown a little bit. If you're a younger generation, you may not know them. I highly suggest listening to them. They're great. But Bono uh, is the lead singer of U2, and he did an interview with Eugene Peterson. Right? And in this interview, uh, they uh, had this conversation about worship. And, and Bono said something uh, that kind of took Eugene Peterson back. When I heard about it, it kind of took me back because Bono said he would never want to be a worship leader. Which my immediate thought was, oh, please, that would be awesome. Wouldn't it? Like, can you imagine? I mean, most of y'all wouldn't know who he is, but it would, it would still be awesome. And Eugene Peterson goes, why? And he said, because worship leaders have to lie every week. And Eugene was like, what do you mean by that? And he goes, worship songs have to end on a happy note. And life doesn't. We still suffer. We're still in pain. And we still hurt. But that doesn't make a good worship song. You see, this psalm is honest, right? This psalm is being vulnerable and saying, you know what? Hope is coming, but it's not here yet. And until then, we sow. And until then, uh, we work. And, and we sow in tears, right? But shouts of joy are coming. And here's why this is important. There's some of y'all saying, Fred, you don't understand. I have placed my bet on Jesus, and he's let me down right? I have put my faith in God, and he hasn't been true to his word. And I get it. I understand. And so does God. And to you, I say, do what this psalm points us to and keep hoping. Keep looking at God's faithfulness, because you, my friend, are in the middle of the chapter, not the end of the book. There's more coming. And so keep hoping. Our hope is based on God's faithfulness in the past and his word in the future. You know, keep sowing in tears because God sees you. And so just like God's, uh, you know, that, that our hope is in the past is, ba- is, is anchored in God's faithfulness, our hope in the future is anchored in his word. And so I want to read a little bit of Jesus' words to his disciples. I'm going to turn to John 14. You don't have to turn there. I'm just going to read it out loud, and I want to read it over you. This is one of those verses that, that, that is good for my soul. Hopefully, it'll be good for yours, and then in just a minute, we'll share. It says, it's, Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms, and if, I, if it were not so, would I have told you that I go and prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. And where I am, you may, also, may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. 
If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. You see, those are Jesus' words. And, 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 you know, what's interesting is I really wanted to, to end with Jesus talking about hope. You know what I found? Jesus doesn't really talk about hope. You know why? The disciples didn't need it. They had him. Right? Like, y'all say it like you know it. I didn't know it until like last week when I was working on this. Blew my mind. We have Jesus. And that's what, that's what, the, that's what you know, John 14 says, that our hope is Jesus, and Jesus connects us to God every day as we live in this place of already but not yet. Like we already know Jesus, but we're going to know him fuller one day. We already have the kingdom of God, but not fully. That's one day. We are already and not yet. And until then, we live with hope. And so the question for us is, is Jesus enough? Is that well of Jesus Enough, And if you haven't placed your hope in Jesus, then let me assure you, he really is the best bet. He really is the best investment with your soul. And so we welcome you to join us from, follow, from, from the journey, from the place we live to the place we call home, to, to heaven one day. And on, you can begin that journey by simply saying yes to Jesus and following him with your life. Now, let me know if you've done that. I would, love to, I would love to know and I'd love to pray for you. We'll also have a prayer team at the end of the service during the music at the end to, to pray for you if you'd like. And they'll be at the back and we would love to be praying with you. But for those of you who are on this journey from the place we live to the place we call home, where has hope intruded in your life? Like, like what scriptures speak hope to you? Right? And so... Let's just share those and encourage each other and help each other build deeper wells of hope. So, yeah, Deb. Did y'all hear that? Uh, she said, Deuteronomy, um, give me the address, 3325. That, you know, it's, it's say it again, as, as is your day, so shall your strength be, which means whatever God puts into her day, he will be her strength for it. That's great. And if you're watching online, type them out to encourage the people that are online. What else? Amy? And then you. Amen. Also a U2 song. Thanks for, for, bringing, for bringing that circle back around. Yes. <laughs> Betty, do you have one? Okay. Psalm 138.8, which says... Amen. Good. One more. Brian? Is that your hand I saw? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Amen. Y'all, let's pray. Jesus, this is your word. And you give it to us so we can hold you to it. You wouldn't give us something that you're not going to fulfill. And so, Father, we, we ask you to be the God we see in these pages. And to reveal yourself as that God to us day by day. Because we do place our hope and our trust in you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.